Jesus, thank you for your love that sent you to the cross to die for us, to pay the price for our sins. And Jesus, thank you for your power that brought you again from the grave. And Lord, I ask that you use these next few minutes, our thoughts, what I'm going to say, to help us know how to apply that to our life, the good news that it gives us, and live in praise and adoration of you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, happy Easter, everyone. It's good to see all of you here, and happy Easter to those of you who are watching online. Uh, my wife and I were recently visiting with some friends of ours from the Bay Area, and they told us that a few months ago, a television crew showed up in a Bay Area suburb from the, uh, from the television show Mythbusters, and they were going to test whether or not the myth that water can stop a cannonball was actually true. So they set up some barrels of water and fired a cannonball at them, you can so tell this is not going to end well, can't you, right? The, fire, the cannonball went through the barrels, ricocheted off of a rock into a neighborhood half a mile away, went into a house, up the stairs, over the heads of a sleeping couple, out the wall, went a couple of more blocks, and was finally stopped by a Toyota minivan. Nobody was hurt, and Mythbusters is going to pay for all the damage, but it was all over the Bay Area news and all kinds of jokes about it. One Bay Area headline called it a mythap. Terrible, isn't it? Awful, right? But it reminds me of Easter in this way. We so underestimate Easter's power, just like they did that cannonball. Easter is not as some people would make it. It's not a comforting little religious story that says, you know, things are going to be okay and spring is coming and life is eternal and bunnies are nice. You know, all those other things we tell ourselves to comfort ourselves and make us feel safe and calm and all of those things. We cannot tame Easter like that. Because when Jesus exploded out of that tomb 2,000 years ago, he ushered in something way more powerful, way more important, way more radical than that. He ushered in not just new life, but a new way of living, a more powerful way of living, an unstoppable way of living. Because what Easter shows us is that God's project is to make all things new, and that is an unstoppable force. So what needs to be made new? in your life? Is it a marriage or a relationship that's in trouble? Maybe it's a sense of boredom and adventure or a lack of adventure and you just want something to live for, something more exciting in your life. Maybe it's a health, financial relationship issue, whatever it is. Easter shows us that God's project is to make all things new, including those issues, and that is an unstoppable force for those who know Jesus, who is God in the flesh. And if you really understand this, far from making us calm and feel comfortable and safe, it is actually the opposite. You know, Karl Marx said that religion is the opiate of the masses, and Jesus would agree. Jesus hates religion. Religion is about rules and rituals rather than about a living relationship with the living God. And Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to launch a rescue mission, an unstoppable force to make everything new. Jesus, therefore, is not the opiate of the masses. He's more like the smelling salts of the masses. Jesus is the caffeine of the masses. He is the red bull of our lives that, 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 that shakes us up and wakes us up and turns us upside down and lights us on fire with passion and courage. Jesus does not make us comfortable. He makes us daring. He doesn't make us safe. He makes us dangerous to the devil. He doesn't make us calm. He makes us bold. And I think this is really important because, you know, sometimes life just beats us down. You know, the problems we have, or maybe it's just the same routine, the dullness of the routine day after day, it just kind of whittles us down and we long for something bigger. 
I have a friend who's nearing retirement age, and a while back he was at a men's retreat called Wild at Heart about recapturing your passion and living an adventure and all of that stuff. And one of the assignments was to go off by yourself and come up with something adventurous to do, and then call your wife and tell her about it. I don't know if that last part was a good idea, but that was the assignment. So he came up with the idea that he wanted to make love to his wife on all seven continents. He thought that sounded very sort of awesome, right? So he, he called his wife up and the cell phone connection was kind of spotty, but he told her the assignment. He said, I want to take you on this romantic trip. I, I've decided I want to make love to you on all seven continents. And she said, what? What? You're incontinent? <laughs> kind of took the adventure right out of it, right? And life can do that, right? I told him it was probably better anyway because, you know, the whole Antarctica thing, I didn't know how that was going to work out for him. But life could just do that, right? It just can just take all the, 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 the adventure, all the boldness right out of us. But Easter shows us that there is an unstoppable force in Jesus to make all things new again. And when we really understand that, our lives get very, very big, very, very bold, very courageous especially if we look at Easter and understand it from the perspective of a first century Jew in Jesus' culture. You see, in Jesus' culture, resurrection would have been more than just a miracle. It would have been nothing short of a new creation breaking into this one. God had promised to make all things new, to make down here a little more like heaven up there. And some Jews believe that when God did that at the end of time, that people would be raised from the dead. So Jesus' resurrection would have signaled to them that God had begun the process of making all things new. You see, you see, the Bible doesn't just say, oh, because of Easter and Jesus, we can go to heaven. It says so much more than that. It says this, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It is so much more than just getting our keister into heaven. Right? I mean, that too, but, but what it really means is that the God who created everything in the beginning is now recreating everything through Jesus. And that's not going to be finished until Jesus returns, but Jesus is the first example, the first demonstration of how God makes all things new, the first of many, many, many more. That's part of why it happens on the first day of the week which would have reminded Jews of the Genesis creation story where God starts creating on the first day of the week. Only now here God is recreating on the first day of this new kind of week. Jesus' resurrection happens in a garden. Anything else in the Bible happen in a garden that you can think of? Adam and Eve disobey God in a garden and bring in sin and death. But here Jesus is undoing that, making it all new again. Easter means that God has begun making all things new through Jesus and that is an unstoppable force that can give us all kinds of courage. And nothing, nothing's going to get in the way of that. Fear, that can't stop it. Right? Not that fear doesn't exist. Of course it does. In fact, the disciples' life, lives did not get easier after the resurrection. They actually got harder. They were all martyred for their faith. Fear exists. But Jesus' resurrection shows there's something stronger than fear. Because you see, what happened on Good Friday is the devil brought his A game. The devil brought his best sauce and threw it all at Jesus. Death, sin, suffering, shame, right? But it didn't stick. There's something stronger than fear, stronger than danger, stronger even than death. Death in vain forbids him rise, but Christ has opened paradise. And if God's making new of all things can't be stopped even by death, well, then nothing's going to stop it. Because death is our, our greatest fear, the enemy no army has ever conquered. And we all face it. We know that. We all face death. Recently, I read something in the, an article about a woman who got a letter from the government that said, your social security checks will be stopped at the end of this month because we received notice that you passed away, which was news to her, right? 
The letter went on to say, you may, however, reapply if your circumstances change. <laughs> what would that be? Right? Your tax dollars hard at work. Someone also just told me about an interview they saw with a woman who lives here in Seattle. She's 103, and they asked her, you know, what's different about being 103 years old? And she said, oh, not much, although I don't buy green bananas anymore. <laughs> that always takes one beat before people really get that, so... Death is coming. The human mortality rate is hovering right around 100% these days, right? Sooner or later. But Jesus' resurrection gave his disciples crazy amounts of courage, even in the face of death. Because they knew even if we die, if we know Jesus, we're going to be raised to new life just as he was. But this time in a body that will never know suffering, never know pain, never know illness, never know death again. Not disembodied souls floating around on, on clouds playing harps. That's Bugs Bunny cartoons. That's not the Bible, right? But you in a brand new eternal body. Here's the deal. If you know Jesus, you are in for a serious upgrade, okay? You 2.0. Now, I know that some of you, for some of you, you don't, you doubt that this whole resurrection thing really happened? I get that. I used to be an atheist. That's why in the bulletin there's an a, a insert that lists just some of the reasons that I, a former atheist, became convinced that Jesus really was raised from the dead. And if you doubt that this happened, I would just encourage you to, to just because, you know, in order to have intellectual integrity, you need to look at both sides of the argument. So read over that insert, read one of the books that's listed there at the end, because there's a lot of evidence that says that Jesus really was raised from the dead. And if we don't even have to fear death, well, then what else do we have to fear? Shame? Nah, that can't stop God's purposes at all. You see that also in the Easter story. When Jesus finds Mary crying in the garden because she thinks someone has moved his body, he addresses her. He says to her, woman, why are you crying? And the word woman in that culture was the standard way to greet a woman, usually said in a condescending tone of voice, right? So she explains why she's crying, and then Jesus says just one word, her name. Mary, which means dignity or respect. And it would have been very unusual for Jesus to call her by her name, but he does it anyways to show that the new creation has come. She's got a new name. Shame is blasted away. Hierarchies are blasted away in this new creation. He then says, go to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. You know, the last time Jesus saw his disciples, they had deserted him after he was arrested. So, you know, you can only imagine what those disciples were thinking about themselves. Their words for themselves are probably failure or loser or coward. But here Jesus calls them brother. And that they have a new identity. They've been made new in Christ. He goes on, he calls God my God and your God. Once before we were separated from God, but Jesus has now paid the price for our sins on the cross. So we're reunited. Fear, death, shame, they cannot stop God's making new of all things. Nothing can. Not even, not even, not even the troubles we face can do that. I heard a story from a man I'll, I'll call Dave who talks about how he was in this really difficult marriage, his wife, and he just fought all the time. And it all boiled over one Sunday when they'd invited a couple they knew over for lunch. But before the couple got there, somehow Dave and his wife got in this big old fight. And it just kind of escalated to the point where his wife threw a coffee cup at him. Not, not really trying to hit him, wasn't really aiming at him, but just get his attention. It ended up going through the plate glass window, their front glass window, right as the couple they'd invited to lunch was coming up the walk, right? And in fact, the couple had to duck to avoid the coffee cup hitting him. So the husband looked at the wife and said, maybe it's not a good time, and turned around and left, right? 
Well, that just made Dave feel embarrassed, which made him angrier, and he started yelling and hitting walls and stuff like that. And he said, I felt like no matter how hard I tried, I could not make my wife happy, and I didn't know what to do. And he said, all my life I had prided myself on having emotional control and being composed, but here I was just losing it. And he says, it's as if Jesus was trying to say to me, the things you are relying on are not going to be sufficient to help you become who you want to be. You need me. And then, and then Dave says, when I looked and saw my three-year-old son standing there, staring at me with these big, huge, frightened eyes, I just started to cry. And my wife started to cry. And, and then I asked forgiveness, and she asked forgiveness. And then we prayed together for the first time in our marriage, and we said, Jesus, we made a mess of this thing. You've got to take over here. Well, from there, they went on, got some counseling. Over the course of the next year, they were able to create a much, much stronger marriage, filled with joy, romance, more fun, because Jesus entered it and made it new. You see, there's nothing. There's nothing. Not our troubles, not our screw-ups, not even death can stop the unstoppable force of Jesus renewing all things. And what that means is that we can live big, bold, audacious, courageous lives, not moderate, ordinary lives, big lives. Scholar C.S. Lewis says that if the resurrection is false, it's of no importance. If it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important. Indeed. Jesus is risen, and that means we can live big, bold, non-ordinary, non-moderate lives where all of life becomes an adventure because we are partnering with Jesus in the making new of all things, and we see him work in all kinds of crazy ways. If you go to this church, you know that we've purchased some homes to be used to house teens who uh, don't have a safe uh, home of their own, don't have a safe or adequate housing of their own. We bought these houses to house them in. And some of the homes needed some work, and volunteers from this church have done a great job on that. But there was a lot of work to do. So one of our elders called his brother-in-law who lives in Seattle. And he's a Christian and owns a construction company. And every year, he shuts down his company for a week, picks a project to do pro bono, pays for the materials, shuts down the, pro, uh, the company for a week, and then goes and does this labor on some worthy cause, all free of charge. So our elder called his brother-in-law to see if he'd be interested in these houses. But the brother-in-law didn't answer the phone. So our elder waited a while longer and then called again. Brother-in-law didn't answer again. Finally, our elder called a third time and brother-in-law answered the phone, though sounding kind of, kind of hassled. And, and he said, you know, I'm in a meeting, but you keep calling, so it's got to be important. What is it? So our elder told his brother-in-law about these houses. Brother-in-law started to laugh and said, oh, the reason I wouldn't answer your call was because I was in a prayer meeting with my staff asking God to show us what our next project should be. I love that, right? There they are, oh, please God, please God, show us the project, show it. Meanwhile, God's calling on the phone, right? And they're checked out. But how cool is that, right? How fun is that to have prayer answered so directly and know that the God of the universe is actually talking to you? I mean, that is a rush, and it makes life very, very big. So what are the things in your life that need to be made new? A marriage, a relationship, career, maybe it's a sense of adventure and purpose, Maybe it's a financial issue or a, or a difficult health problem. You know what? Jesus can make even those things new, either by a, some miraculous event, and I've seen those, or by giving you a supernatural sense of joy and courage even in hard times. And there are people in this room who've experienced all kinds of terrible stuff, loss, illness of all kinds, uh, financial problems, and they have felt Jesus right next to them, and that has given them kind of this eerie, indescribable sense of joy and courage that cannot be stopped by anything. I'll close with this one last story. I recently heard a woman named Alice tell. And a while back, Alice's mother died. 
And that was a big blow because she was very close to her mom. Alice said that her mother was always the one, you know, there cheering the loudest in her school plays. And then when she became an adult, mom was always there to help her with her problems. So when her mother was diagnosed with cancer, Alice, who was 27 at the time, volunteered to take care of her mom. She said, I counted it an honor. But now that her mom was gone and the hours that she'd spent caring for her were no longer there, Alice just felt this kind of sense of emptiness and loss. And and she had a great career, but she just felt really, really lonely and alone in life. So as the memorial service for her mom was starting, she was sitting there praying, okay, Lord, what's next? What, you know, what, what's, what now? Well, right as it started, she heard the church door open and then slam real quick. And then this kind of really hassled looking man sits down right next to her and he leans over and says, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. So sorry I'm late. And that kind of irritated her because she was trying to concentrate. So she just kind of, you know, ignored him. Then after several people had spoken at this memorial, the man leaned over to her and said, you know, they keep calling Mary by the name of Margaret. Was Margaret her real name? And she just went by Mary. And Alice said, no, it's, it's always been Margaret. And he goes, oh, okay, okay. And he said, this is the Lutheran church, right? And she said, no, that's across the street. You're at the wrong memorial. So then they started laughing because they thought that was funny, but then she couldn't stop laughing. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You've been someplace you're not supposed to laugh and then you can't stop laughing. And at first she felt bad for laughing at her mom's memorial service, but then she thought about her mom and realized her mom would actually love that. So Alice just laughed and laughed. She just let it rip, right? Just laughed and laughed through the whole service. Well, after the service was over, the man introduced himself as Rick. And then he said, you know, since I've missed my aunt's memorial service to attend your mom's, how about a cup of coffee? So she said yes. They started dating, got married. They've been married for 22 years. He always says, I went to the wrong memorial, but I was in the right place. And whenever anyone asks, you know, how did you two meet? He always says, oh, her mother and my Aunt Mary introduced us. It was a match made in heaven, literally. At a time when she was grieving and feeling lonely, Jesus made her life new again in this quirky, unexpected way. And yeah, her mom died, but her mom also got to go be with Jesus in a brand new perfect body. Jesus was at work to make all things new, even at a time of death, because his making new power is unstoppable. It is the most unstoppable force there is. And all the power that ignited the stars, all the power that spun the galaxies, all the power that went into creation is now being leveraged for recreation of you, of me, and of this world. Because as Pastor John Ortberg puts it, that what happened on that first Easter was that death lost its sting and the grave lost its victory. Hell was defeated, darkness derailed, the devil demoted, Hope got vindicated, the prophets validated, the soldiers aggravated, the disciples got animated, sin lost, shame died, joy soared, and love won. It is the greatest victory over the darkest enemy by the noblest hero for the loftiest cause in all of human history. We can be brave, we can be bold, we can be sure that God's making new of all things is an unstoppable force against which there can be no immovable objects. Through him we are more than conquerors. Through him no weapon formed against us shall remain for one reason— and one reason only, and that is that Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So Jesus asked that you would unleash that making new power, that unstoppable force for good in our lives. Lord, help us to see it, know it, experience it, and follow you, and we will give you all the praise for everything that comes from it. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.